Caution. The contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. Now today we are marching, or rather dancing, right along in the Sweet Bergamasque, written by Claude Debussy. And in case you've missed it, we already talked about the fourth movement, the Passepied. And in our last episode, we circled back around to the first movement, the Prelude. So in this week, Allison, what shall we talk about? The Minuet or Claire de Lune? Hmm... Um, let's do the minuet this week, and we'll save the most iconic movement, the Claire de Lune, for the grand finale. I think that sounds great. So (laughs) then, let's get to it. All right. So as we've mentioned extensively already, this suite is meant to evoke a Baroque dance suite. Minuets, of course, were popular throughout the Baroque as well as the classical eras, a la Minuet and Trio. And following in the footsteps of these classic minuets, Debussy has written this movement in 3-4 time, which is 3 beats per measure, which is apparently perfect for dancing. And neither of us can off the top of our heads think of any modern songs in 3-4 time that are really meant to be danced to. Now in the past few episodes, we've really thrown a lot of harmonic theory at you. So instead, we're going to focus on the form of this movement. And our first bit of the form is actually the first measure. The melody has an old feeling to it, starting out with upward fifths, throw in a little graced out embellishment, and end this first statement on the upbeat of beat three of the first measure. The next measure is a sequential response to the first. However, each of these measures is just a motif within the first phrase. Expanded out, the entire first phrase actually sounds like this. It's a nice four-bar phrase, which is very common in any sort of dance music. And the next phrase is similar in that the melodic material has a similar rhythm to the first phrase. However, it gets expanded out of just those four bars. We actually have one additional bar for a total of five. WC does this by really drawing out the final statement of the phrase. The next little bit is more of a transition rather than a true phrase, as we're just dealing with some modulation and upward scales. Really nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Our uh, music theory teacher probably turning over in their sleep right now. (laughs) Once we get through these scales, though, we're back to the first four bar phrase with some small changes. Debussy loves the transitions in this piece, as we come to get another two-bar piece of music that doesn't really build on the melody, it just moves us along to something more exciting. 
However, we definitely know we have moved to a new section here once we get through that transition. It's melodically very different from what we've heard thus far. It's just straight 16th notes without any embellishment. Also, both the right and left hands are playing the same rhythm, as opposed to the previous section where the left hand had some umpa action. Also, WC was kind and let this be a four-bar phrase once again. These four bars are a bit brassier sounding, and the bass clef dotted 8th 16th notes fit into the held notes of the trebles to 16th 8th note rhythm. This phrase is actually split into a set of call and response motifs. The call in the first measure is followed by just running 16ths, and this two measure chunk is repeated again. flows nicely into the next phrase, which strays away from the dance aspect of the minuet and, once again, into a Baroque fugue style. So far, we're not really getting much of that minuet form, i.e. the traditional A-B-A. However, that fugue sound comes from the running 16th notes, which continue in the middle range, playing by the inner fingers of the right hand, while the outer fingers of the left and right hands play the longer quarter note melody. This again gives us the three-voice sound featured in a lot of Bach fugues. Of note, this phrase is also four bars. And the next phrase keeps the momentum we've built. We keep the 16th notes moving in the center with melodic material on the periphery, for about four bars, but it does run into a one-bar transition. Before, we get to a similar sounding phrase that has taken the 16th notes up. So rather than the right and left hands playing melody, now it's just the left hand as the right hand is busy with only the 16th notes. And this is only a three bar phrase. The next thing we come to keeps up with the flowing 16th notes, but now they are arpeggiated, while the bass clef again carries the melody for four bars. Finally, we come out of this section with a repetition of our first phrase, however with the bass paired way back. We get a similar transition section as we did in the beginning as well with downward scales, but also little interjections of the first measure's theme. This sparse section takes us to a much grander sound, 
with rushing downward 32nd note scales, followed by ponderous upward eighths in the bass. Again, four measures that are then sequenced and repeated. The next phrase features dotted eighth sixteenths in both hands and is reminiscent of a phrase that we heard earlier with the dotted eighths in just the bass clef. And here's a little transition and then he takes us up an octave for another repeat of this idea. this kind of disintegrates as well, and Debussy pulls the rhythms and ideas together, throws in accidentals and transitions into a new key. But remember, this is Theory Light Day, so we won't bore you with those details of transitions. But this new section is much more pulled together. Right away, we get chords on all three beats to really reinforce the time signature of 3-4. Now, in a traditional minuet, or minuet and trio, the key change would be a great time to change up the thematic material and give us the B section, but WC doesn't do that. He repeats the melodic phrase we heard from the start. In fact, from here, the key of E-flat, he runs with the melody in sequence and makes another key change right away to A major. And once we're in A major again, we get another familiar phrase. It's our Baroque quasi-fugue once again. We continue into familiar but slightly different territory, the rhythms here expanding out a bit, but the movement of the notes is similar to what we've heard before. Now this part really builds up with sequences. back to our home key of C with a bit of a coda, which is really the first truly identifiable section of the piece we've thus encountered. The motif is a broken down version of a phrase that we've heard before, and it's four bars. we end the whole piece with four bars, taken up with just a few sparse bass clef chords, a long upward scale, and ending on tonic on the last two downbeats of the piece. <laughs> <laughs> 
So as we've been alluding to, this is a piece consisting of a series of connected phrases with some repetition and callbacks to earlier sounds. However, repetition does not a minuet make. In a classical minuet, we're going to be looking for three distinct sections, A, B, A, and usually within each of those big sections, there is a micro A, B, A structure as well. But remember, what we've been saying about WC for the past several weeks is that these forms are all literally impressions of what the true Baroque forms are, so he doesn't have to abide by all the previous composition rules. But maybe he did. Let's take another quick look and see if we can find an ABA structure. The first section, obviously will be titled A, will start with this motif. Though the subsequent phrases after it are different, they keep the same general style, so we can call this, in general, a subsection A. Subsection B, within the bigger A section, starts here. It's a new style in the music where their 16th notes are more constant. And we get the subsection little a, again within the big A section, back here when the first theme makes a reappearance. Since it's not an exact repeat of the first subsection A, we will call it A prime. So we must be coming up to a big B section. And we are, it comes in here with another large changeup of style with the 32nd note scales and thus new melodic material. So if that was the subsection A of the B section, this next bit is the subsection B of the B section. It is familiar to things heard in the A section, but not an exact repeat. However, it seems that this big B section might not have the full sub ABA form, because then we're getting into those pesky key changes that actually bring back the A subsection A motif. We'll allow this, again since WC doesn't have to follow the rules, it's okay if the B section doesn't have that full ABA subgroup, just AB instead. So now then we return to the final A section. We can call this not quite repeated motif a double prime to differentiate from subgroup A and a prime heard before. <laughs> if it's a little confusing, that might be a little intentional from WC. <laughs> and then we run into B prime while we're at it. Again, this final A prime section doesn't really get the full sub ABA form. just A double prime and B prime before we get to the aforementioned coda. 
Now we can call this a coda because it's just snippets of melody that focus on getting to tonic rather than any groundbreaking development of melodic material. So there you have it, Debussy's impression of a minuet. Little light on harmonic theory, but we did get a little gnarly with the formal theory at the end there. So what do you think? <laughs> did he paint a good picture of a Baroque dance? I think, as always, Debussy nailed it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he it, it's, it's clear, you know, upon initial listening... It's sometimes uh, difficult to pick all these details out of impressionist pieces, and especially uh, from composers like Debussy, because they are hidden and they are woven into the larger tapestry of the piece in such a way that really obscures, you know, what he's going for and the references that he's making. Mm -hmm. But when you're able to break it down like this, it's clear the influences that Debussy is taking and yes. how he's then, for lack of a better word, warping them to fit his particular compositional style. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's like, it's not an accident. It may Correct. sound like an accident on first listen because of all of the, the hiding of the form, I'll say. But he definitely knew what all these traditional forms are. I mean, what? musician doesn't you have to learn Bach you have to learn Mozart <laughs> you know those forms you know the ABA so so did Debussy and he then knew how to break the rules exactly and I think it's great how he does it in this time in this musical time where breaking from the classical and romantic traditions was such a innovative thing and, and some people are making formless music and through more through composed structures or of of their music to create these impressions. And it's really clever, I think, how Debussy incorporates the forms of the pieces that he's inspired by while still maintaining um, the impressionist tradition that he's pioneering. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very well said. And if you'd like to hear more things that may or may not be well said, uh, go ahead and take a listen back to our previous episodes uh, in this little mini-series about WC. And of course, next time, we're going to end with the big one that's Claire de Lune. Woo! We'll get all and up into its form and we its theory. Will. <laughs> we will. That's going to be extremely fun. Um, and if you want to join us, then get subscribed and... Uh, Leave us reviews, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you know anyone who would love to listen to more Debussy, who would not, then uh, go ahead and tell them about our lovely production. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to hear about Debussy? Nobody. Who? That's who the wouldn't? answer. <laughs> and until we see you next time, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Sweet Burger Mosque was performed by Jacobo Salvatore. You can find The Coffeehouse on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook at The Coffeehouse Classical Podcast and Instagram at Podcast Coffeehouse and email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. <laughs>